Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Laurel Harris. She is an award-winning producer, actress, voiceover artist, writer, and an international best-selling author. Welcome, Laurel. I am so happy to have you here. How are you doing today? I am fabulous. I am so excited to be here, Brad. Thank you for having me. It is an absolute honor and pleasure. Thank you for taking and making the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story, your journey, and the beautiful light you put out into the world through all the work you're doing. So with that being said, let's jump right in. Laurel, how long have you been working in the world of film as a producer? That is a great question. You know what? I look at being a producer as kind of a general term. I don't look at it as specifically film because I think I've been doing so much in that world for so long. I started actually in out of college. I got an internship when I was in school training in film and video and went right into the world of broadcast and radio. And then from there, I, I got the itch and it was like, oh my gosh, I love this. I got to do more. <laughs> so, and the rest is history. As and the rest say. is history. Yeah, exactly. So can you go into a little more detail then about what was the inspiration behind getting into film production in particular and speak a little bit about your journey into filmmaking? Sure. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. I was in college to go back to that. I was interviewing the Flying W Wranglers, if that (laughs) means anything to anybody. They were a group of singing cowboys in Colorado (laughs) where I was going to school. And that was our assignment. We had to choose a group to interview and put together a piece on. And it was in that moment sitting across from them, I thought, this is so awesome. I get to tell people's stories. I get to share with the world who may or may not know them. Obviously, more people will now. But just that opportunity to say, this is so empowering. This is so enlightening for so many people to be able to come into a world and not just hear, but see visually and get a taste of who these people are and make decisions for themselves and what their opinions are. It was glorious. And I heard angels sing and I said, okay, that's it. (laughs) And then I went on to, I had a really awesome opportunity. I got to travel the world with a group called Peace Jam Mm -hmm. and it pairs up Nobel Peace Laureates with students around the world doing peace projects. And so for this moment in time, it wasn't a moment in time. For a while, we were traveling the world interviewing all these Nobel Peace Laureates and working with them on various projects. So most people would know His Holiness the Dalai Lama or Desmond Tutu and Sharon Abadi and some others. And it was life-changing. I mean, I'm sure. I don't say that lightly. It was truly life-changing. Well, meeting people like that of that caliber, absolutely. That must have been an incredible Truly, yeah. Well, and you would appreciate this, Brad. I think when you know you're in the power of greatness, 
It can move you from an internal space in your heart Mm -hmm. and being truly in the presence of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama and and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. I'll never forget walking into the room and being a complete stress ball because I had (laughs) this interview. That's transformational (laughs) shit, though. Yeah, having it just like the air was let out of the balloon and I just (laughs) exhaled, you know, and... (laughs) Again, coming back to, wow, I get to help tell their story. How powerful is this? And it's yeah. a huge responsibility and I don't take it lightly, but I'm also excited. Storytelling is incredible. You know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It's absolutely amazing. It's such an honor to be able to help facilitate people sharing their stories with the world yes. because you know, undoubtedly, it's going to impact people's lives and change their lives in one way or another. And that is powerful. Absolutely. And you know what else? I think the other side of that is people want to be heard. Yes. And that's what I've come to notice is that translating into everyday life, when I'm going too fast, I need to stop and listen to someone because people want to be heard. And we're not doing that as much anymore. So No, we don't listen. And it's funny because we have two ears and one mouth. Right. Use your ears more (laughs) than your mouth and give people the space to share and speak. You can learn. Yeah. It's a learning experience when Absolutely. you sit and listen to someone. Yeah, because I'm guilty of it too. Immediately going into judgment when I hear somebody speaking and I have to stop and step back. Regardless of what the judgment is, it could be something really mild. But if it's something deeper, I have to really stop and say, okay, where is this coming from? And giving, of course, in filmmaking, then the idea is to be as neutral as possible. You present the argument in a way that everybody can see it from a neutral perspective and then make their own opinion. Interviewing that's- is definitely an art form. That's for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. You know this, like I said. (laughs) (laughs) Now, being a producer, that's a huge responsibility, a lot to do and deal with when you're on set. So how do you stay organized and prioritize tasks when you're on set? Wow, such a great question. I'm still figuring that out. I've realized that it's about what fires need to be put out first or what is most immediate and starting from there because I can look at the big picture and I can get easily overwhelmed at times. Not always, but sometimes. And it's about taking a step back, taking a deep breath and saying, okay, now what needs to be done? I love that phrase from Byron Katie and just thinking what's the most important thing right now? And it's about immediacy and it's about coming at it from a perspective of how can I serve? I mean, as the producer, you have a lot of people depending on you and a lot of eyes on you. You're leading that project. It's huge. Well, and yeah, to that point, I've learned from some people on set that it's about creating that environment where people feel welcomed. They feel heard to that point and they feel excited to be there because that energy begets more excited energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You want the whole project to rise. So it's about maintaining that. Filmmaking is obviously a very laborious job. So what keeps you motivated in that process? I will say that we have to do what we love, right? And so it's funny. I was watching a a film the other day with my sister, who's not in this industry and and wants nothing to do with it. She has great (laughs) respect for it, but she does something completely different. She's a speech therapist. And she just marvels. She's like, how do you do this? And I look at it. We were watching this documentary about this filmmaker putting this together and how stressful it was. And she just said, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine doing that. And I was like, give me more. Give me more. (laughs) You have to be from that world, I guess. Yeah. And that's when you know you're doing what you love, right? When It doesn't matter how crazy it looks to the outside world. It just energizes me and gets me excited about the next thing. So conversely, if I'm doing something that I'm just struggling to get through, then I realize, yeah, maybe I need to rethink this. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, what advice would you give someone wanting to start a career in filmmaking? 
I think the number one thing I would say is it does require patience. I mean, obviously, based on what I just said, it makes it sound yeah. like Pollyanna that if you love it, you're, you're constantly in happiness all the time. No, there are a lot of hats in the air, a lot of plates in the air to spin, if you will. And so it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of perseverance. And I think it's really just about staying focused on the minutia, the minute to minute stuff, but then also keeping the macro focus. It's like coming back to again and again, what's my why? Why do I want to do this? What's the ultimate goal? What do I have in mind here? And again, how can I serve? That's something I've really had to learn because that's the big piece of it, right? Yeah. I mean, I think for a lot of us, you know, started out more self-centered. I think this is really cool and I want to do this for a living. Yeah. And now it's, oh, how can I serve with this? What message is it going to put out there and how are people going to be affected? Yeah. How are we going to impact? Who are we going to help with this message and all of these things? That's what it's about. That's what we're here for. Right. And what I've learned, which I'm sure you can speak to as well, is then when we put that out there, that begets more of the same as well. Yes, absolutely. And it's this extra high because it feels like we're uplifting the planet. Yeah. Raising the vibration of the collective. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're not all alone. And this is kind of a new concept in the grand scheme things, you know, looking for a community. But I mean, filmmaking, you're not alone. You have all of these other moving parts and people around you who are integral to the completion of the project and to getting the work done. Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, I will say that absolutely it has to do with surrounding yourself with good people, people that are genuinely excited to be there, but also that want to bring their talent to the project in a big way. Because I learned early on from a fellow filmmaker, it's about the project. It's not about an individual. So if we're coming at it with what can I do for me to look good in this project, (laughs) it's an automatic recipe for disaster. Yeah. It has to be about how can I serve the project? Mm -hmm. And then when we get my favorite thing, honestly, Brad, is when I can get those people together and coordinate. It's kind of like bringing a symphony together. Yeah. And stand back in those moments where I remember to take a deep breath and look around me and think, oh my gosh, this is magic. This is what I love. This is everybody <laughs> coming together and bringing their best gift, their best self, just creating magic, creating that yeah. symphony that just sings. That's a great analogy because you put it simply, you are the conductor. Yeah, You are exactly. conducting the whole project. So that's right. a great analogy. I love it. So yeah, we can get in our heads about it, but truly it's about, wow, no, let me get out of the way and let greatness over here and greatness over there and greatness mm-hmm. over there come together and create something that I could never create magic. Say. Yeah, it truly is. <laughs> what is one of the proudest moments of your professional experience as a producer? Boy, that's a great question. You know, two things come to mind. I'll be honest. I think going back to those, those moments working with the Nobels, we did a screening for a film, a documentary. This one I was not a producer on, but I had worked with this company before, obviously. And so they brought me back in to be a voiceover artist for it. And we screened at Venice, at the Venice International Film Festival in Italy. And there's always that moment when you screen, it's like, how's this going to be received? Are we yeah. going to, you know, in that moment where you clench your teeth and suck on your breath? And after it was over, the entire place leapt to their feet and erupted in applause. Oh, wow. And we knew, again, I mean, it gives me chills right now. We knew it wasn't about us. It was about, we put out a message that they resonated with. We did the service. And that was a moment of, again, I was involved as the voiceover artist and I had gotten involved because of prior producing work with them, but I knew what it was like for all of that to come together. And it's such a monumental move to get any film produced. So in that moment, when you really feel that resonation is just magical. And, and then I would say after this is over, 
I'm headed over to work with my nephews who are five and seven, putting together their first film. And they're so excited. I love it. That's awesome. And asking me, Auntie, can we do a, can we do a movie? And I said, sure. So we're going to work on See the Sea Turtles Biggest Adventures. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. We had prep last night. We had yeah. all the stuff we was getting organized and making sure that we had all the party favors. And yeah. It's just, yeah, it makes my heart sing. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. What would you say has been one of your favorite projects to work on up to this point in your career as both an actor and as a producer? This is going to sound so trite. I feel like it's whatever I've done most recently. As we as artists are always building on our work and building on yeah. who, who we are in the world. And so I feel like there's this old saying that I used to hear all the time. You're only as good as your last project. Okay, yeah. great. Now I own it in a different way. Yeah. It used to terrify me in some ways because I thought, well, then how am I going to step up and be better? How am I going to be bigger? That sort of thing. No, I put in what I can do to the best level I can do. And then it's not up to me anymore. I give it all I've got. And then I've got to release it and let it go. And that's all you can do, right? You can only give it yeah, your best. Right. It's like shooting just air. release it. Trust yeah. and allow. Exactly. And then it becomes my most favorite project. <laughs> Even if it was a total bomb, because I think I learned a lot. <laughs> what was your very first job in film and how did that progression happen from then to where you are now in your career? How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> that could take a while to answer. I will say this because I'm thinking about my sister going back to my, this was my first film that I can remember doing in school. I had to put together a little short film and I needed a lead actor. And of course my lead actor whoever it was, I don't remember, bailed at the last minute. So I had to talk my sister into doing it. And <laughs> she was so begrudgingly there. And I had to make her fly. I wanted to have a little green man who flew. I don't know what was in my head. I don't know what I was eating, what was going on, but that's what it was. So I figured out that I could loop a rope around the basketball court, you know, basketball hoop yeah. At, yeah. at the nearest park. And attach it to her pants. And then I had my brother on the other end pulling the rope to lift her off the ground. Can I say this? I gave her the biggest wedgie. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Unknowingly, I didn't mean to. But <laughs> she did it once. And I said, okay, that's great. Let's do it again. She said, no way. <laughs> not doing one, that again. One take. That's, right? it. that's all you get. <laughs> what I learned, you've got to really be prepared. It was really awesome. It was great to learn that. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it sounds really trite, but that was good information going forward. It's you got to have your ducks in a row. I'm sure. You gotta, and again, surrounding yourself with good people who are excited to be there. Your brother Not and your that, sister. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to work with what you have. <laughs> so many great metaphors in life, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course, I think they're all film related, but that's just me. That's, that's your world. That's the world you live in. So, right. Yeah, sense. exactly. But it makes sense to us at the time. <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts on the filmmaking industry on the whole in terms of women's roles within the industry and how prevalent now is that old boys club bullshit of the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. Like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, it's interesting. Truly, if you go back to Mary Pickford and some of the originals in this industry, there was more room for women to be involved. There were actually more female directors than we have back then than we do now. Right. So there was a time where women were really respected in this industry. 
God only knows how we got so far off track. And I'd like to really write that in a heartbeat, but it takes the time it takes. So in the meantime, I look to these incredible filmmakers who are rising up and really trudging uphill to get our stuff out there. It's not that the talent isn't there. It's there. It's just, mm -hmm. there is some of that mentality that they can't handle the mass production at that level, which is just a bunch of BS. And we know that yeah. we've seen so many great filmmakers rise up and producers too. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, as I was getting ready for this interview with you, Deborah Martin Chase is a producer that I follow because I just think she's phenomenal as a human being and as a producer. Her most recent work as we air this now is she just did the Mary Tyler Moore documentary that's on HBO. Okay. I watched it the other day and I got teary. I, yeah. You know, just thinking that's it. That's about bringing powerful stories to the forefront and especially about an incredible iconic woman who like Mary Tyler Moore, yeah. like Mary Tyler Moore who trudged uphill and made waves before any of that was kosher. You yeah. know, and we didn't even recognize how powerful that was at the time. I don't think. Yeah. Of course, we didn't think we were going to go backwards either. We thought probably at the time, oh, this is just moving that light forward. And then, mm -hmm. of course, we have to continue to <laughs> let's not even get started about Roe v. Wade. So <laughs> we have to continue to move the needle forward for women. And I don't know if that answered your question. I think what I do is just continually look for those sources of inspiration and then see how can I follow in their footsteps and also create my own. And so what do you think the way forward is with that in terms of bringing back that aspect of more women in filmmaking and acting, all of it, that the whole f industry? Yeah. I remember Regina King saying this at the recent Oscars not that long ago. She was talking about it's up to us to be proactive and making sure that the roles that we fill are filled by women. Because yeah. stereotypically in this industry, very few women work in the grand scheme of things. Typically women are working as hair designers, makeup designers, secretarial positions. If Behind the scenes. Administrative, yeah. We had very few to choose from. I remember when I was working on a film, I said, okay, can we hire a female cinematographer at the time? There was virtually, maybe if we looked beyond, there were about two that we could choose from. Wow. Yeah. Right? Not That's kidding. Horrible. So there's obviously a lot more now and we have to give them those chances and opportunities early on so they can hone their craft and be ready to leap yeah. into bigger things later. And I think that's changing. I see it changing a lot. There's more women and female oriented people getting into that early on, mm -hmm. choosing to expand their craft from an earlier stage, say in college or high school. Fantastic. And obviously technology allows that more than it ever has with people yeah. grabbing their phones and making movies. So yeah. it's shifting. It's just going to take some time. Got a long way to go. Well, I mean, let's be honest. That's whatever every industry. I was speaking with someone yeah. just yesterday and we we're talking about CEOs or women in upper management in corporations. And it was like, it was an incredibly low percent. I think it was 20, we were talking about 2018. I think she said 3% of women in leadership positions in corporations. That is fucking disgusting. I had heard even less in the C-suites. Yeah. Horrible. And it's, Horrible. again, I think we're making progress and I think we've kind of gone backwards for some, I've heard statistics that has to do with COVID and, and so many women that were in those positions going back to the home because of COVID. But I think it's just, it's us coming together. That's why I appreciate your podcast. It's we women looking around and saying, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that so-and-so yeah. was doing this or that more women yeah. were involved in this and let me work with them. How can we work together? Yeah. I heard from a producer friend of mine recently who I was talking about a project collaborating with and a male, and he was talking about his wife and how they struggle with having relationships in business with other women because it's so cutthroat yeah. know, women versus women. And I just thought, I marvel at that. I don't have that experience for me. Because 
I come at it from a standpoint of how can I help? How can we serve? And yeah. I, I find that's what I receive. I'm not being Pollyanna. I'm just saying, I think that can help shift us to recognizing Shifting your perspective. Absolutely. We have to come back to that. How are we going to rise if we don't? Absolutely agree with you 100%. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's a long road forward, but if everyone's willing to put in the work and give people opportunities and give more women opportunities, then it's going to happen that much quicker and we will get to that point. Yeah. So what inspired you to become an actor and how long have you been acting? Hmm. I was aspiring to be a dancer for a long time. And I was training professionally, mostly in ballet, modern, and jazz. And I had done dance specifically for about 27 years. And wow. then I got injured several times and mm-hmm. the injuries were significant enough that I said, oh, okay, so my body as my instrument isn't going to last forever. Wow, what a concept. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I realized that when I was on stage is when I felt like I came alive, when I felt the most just invigorated. Every fiber is on fire in a good way. <laughs> and so I thought, how can I do more of this? And I was always enamored with actors and thought, oh my gosh, I'd love to do that, but I'm terrified. And I realized that I had shut down my entire vocal area by doing that because that's where I was carrying my stress and my fear at the time. And I still do some to some extent, but when I'm really nervous, but I thought that was such a huge hurdle I had to overcome because I could move my energy through dance. When I was on stage, my excitement and my energy, I could move through my body. I could get it out. But standing there and speaking or singing was terrifying. So I kind of took it on as a challenge. And that's how I began to move into <laughs> more acting. Yeah, truly. It was I like, accept that challenge. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can't do this wow. forever because I'll curl up in a ball and want to die. So yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How can I see this as something I can overcome? And so, of course, acting requires a lot of vulnerability and the ability to tap into very deep emotions, of course, depending upon the role you're playing. But how do you prepare yourself mentally and emotionally for intense and emotionally challenging scenes and roles that you take on? I absolutely love it. (laughs) Start by saying that. Again, going back to that, you know what you're doing is the right thing for you when you love it. Yeah. I'm thinking back to a a scene I did fairly recently on a television show where I had to be this emotionally distraught woman who had just lost her son. And of course we did it, I don't know how many times for hours and hours. And people look at that and think that is crazy. And I could not get enough. It was like, yeah, roll up my sleeves. Let me add it. Let me add it. Let me add it. You know? (laughs) How can I do it differently? How can I try this? How can I? It's, I love the fine art of taking a scalpel to something like that rather than mm. a machete. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, how can I? Yeah, just chisel, just con- mm. continue to chisel. Now, that can also be my downside, <laughs> my downfall, because I, can, I feel like it's never done. As an artist, it's, I'll never finish the piece. At some point, you have to just throw it in and say, Yeah, oh, fini. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I'm not that great at doing that part yet, but. Did you start out in acting or producing and what was the progression? I started out as an actor. I started okay. out in high school doing more high school performances. I started out choreographing and then moved into acting and just loved it. I went into a performing arts school okay. where we were doing everything, dancing, singing, acting, playing instruments, etc. And then from there, I started moving more and more into acting just okay. specifically. And From that point, I started getting more involved in producing, I think because there was a part of me that was too afraid to accept 
this calling that I felt as an actor originally. And so I thought, well, I need something to fall back on. I need something that's going to be more steady and pay the bills. And don't get me wrong. I love producing. Obviously I'm still doing it now and I do. So that was how I started, I think was to pay the bills. But then I realized, oh, wait a minute. I have a passion for both. How do I feed both? How do I keep that Mm -hmm. moving? How do I cultivate that. It's a constant balance and and it uses different parts of my brain. So I love being an actor and feeling that full rush of creativity in the sense that you're creating an entirely new character and calling upon those instances that you, from our own lives that I can bring forward to it or creating something entirely new that I can latch into emotionally to answer your last question even more. But then I love the producing side where it is a little bit more mathematical. It's Mm. about putting puzzle pieces together and putting the right people in the right positions and making sure that we've got the trajectory really clear and lined out. So I don't know if I got way off topic, but no, that's good. If you had to choose one or the other, what would it be? I gave up that quest a long time ago (laughs) because (laughs) I was doing full out voiceover acting and producing, giving equal amount of time I thought to each. And it was such an intense time. And I felt myself getting so burnt out. And so what I've realized is that sometimes, well, I can't keep all the plates in the air all the time. Yeah. Sometimes I have to set one aside and just focus on the other for a while and see that to completion. Maybe a project comes up that I just need to see finished. And then I can go back to the other one. And I actually, I've come to really enjoy that more because I see it as more fluid. I'm just flowing from one to the next and back and forth and maybe not as much time devoted to one or the other as I would like sometimes, but it feels more fluid. It feels more free. Yeah. Well, it allows you to play in both worlds. Yeah, exactly. And then I don't feel like I'm starving any one of my children, so to speak. (laughs) That's always a good thing. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) What lights you up or excites you the most about each of those roles that you play, the actor and the producer? I think for both, it comes back to what I said earlier, when I look around and I can see everybody doing what they do best. As an actor, when I'm on set and I realize I don't have to think about what the audio person is doing. I have to be aware of where the mic is. I have to be aware of where the camera is, but I don't have to worry about that because that person has this job down cold and they're going to bring their best to it. And I can focus on what I'm doing. Now, of course, as a producer, I'm looking at multiple things going on and multiple hats and juggling, but it's, again, it's when everybody comes together with their full self and brings their full talent. Mm-hmm. I just marvel at people. I marvel at their talent. I could never line up a shot like some of these cinematographers do, find the nuances in the audio like some of these others do, or be so focused on detail. I mean, there's so many different style, so many different talents. Yeah. Style. Oh, it's really, it's breathtaking to me. It's a lot of people coming together on one project that all yeah. have their part, their individual parts, but they come together as a collective and create this right. final beautiful product. Yeah. And then you know what? The high tide rises all boats. Yes. So when we're all putting in our best effort, then we get excited and motivated and more energized to creep, keep bringing that level up. As both a film producer and actor, how do you navigate the balance between the creative and business aspects of filmmaking? And what challenges have you encountered in that role? I have a friend of mine who has been in this business far longer than I, and is a great mentor for me. And he said, you have to surround yourself with business people, really good, solid business people. That's their passion. That's their expertise. Because he said, I looked to him for a lot of things. And I said, what did you learn from this last venture that you had? And he said that I am not a business person. (laughs) (laughs) 
we are creatives and that's okay. Creatives they, don't want to deal with the business no, side of shit. They just want to create and that's it. Yeah. And people that are really good at business make it look so easy as well they should. And he said, I looked to these people and thought, oh, I can do that. I can be a great director and a great artist and a great writer and then manage the business side too. No, <laughs> we can fail miserably because that's what they do best. So I so appreciate that. And now I'm really focusing on surrounding myself with people that really know how to do certain aspects of business really well, whether yeah. it's just the financial or just the organizational or what have you. It's then let me do what I do better. Yeah. And it allows you to step into your expertise, your lane. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tell that to students too. It's like when you're first starting out, find the people in each of the areas that you know you need to have filled and see who fills that role really well. And are they excited to work together as a team? Because again, yeah. it has to be for the greatest of the project. And so how do you approach, speaking of selecting the different people, how do you approach selecting or developing film projects that have the potential to make a significant impact on audiences and on society as a whole? Yeah, that's such a great question. I feel like I look to the Steve Jobs sort of outlook on this where there are times I have to recognize that I'm going to be the final word and I have to be okay with that. And <laughs> there are other times where I have to say, okay, wait a minute, I need some other input. I need some other voices on this. So it's a constant balance, but I will say this. Ultimately, the final word always comes from my inner knowing. It comes from this voice that I've learned to listen to more thoroughly and more consistently that I feel just so aligned when that voice comes through. And I think, oh, yeah, yeah, that's not my ego. That's the higher voice speaking and saying, go this way. It may not always be what I want. It may not make yeah. sense at the time. And I may say, what are you, what? You want me to go which way? You want me to talk to who? Yeah. But I've learned, thankfully, that after doing this for a while, it's like when I follow that, it ultimately leads into something greater. I may not be able to see it at the time, but it will. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so how hard or easy was it for you to develop that and to get to the point where, which I'm sure you, there's still going to be moments, as you said, where you're still, wait a minute, what? Did I really just say that? Or am I really? But to get to a point, because I mean, again, as a producer, you have a lot of people looking at you and depending upon you. So yeah. Yeah. how easy or hard was it for you to get to that point where you feel really comfortable for the most part in your decisions and trusting your intuition around these things, decisions like that? Yeah. I so don't think it was easy. It was not easy at all. And I'm learning that I'm still making mistakes left and right. I'm still falling on my face here and there. And it's about getting back up. A recent project that I did, I walked away going, oh, wow. Okay. I've got a checklist of like you know, 10 things that I don't want to do again. And again, I can look at, we're working in post right now and I can look at things in post and go, oh, I knew that was going to turn out that way. And I knew it in my gut and I didn't say anything in the moment. And here we are. And now yeah. we're doing something. They're not all life or death situations. I'm just saying even little things like at the time I would have thought, what if we just tweak that light this way? I think it would help. Or it could be something much more major. I don't want to cut that part of the script. I want to keep that. And yet I would listen to someone else and they'd make a good case. And even if they did, and I'm listening to them, I still have to follow my gut. And I didn't always. Maybe I was tired in the moment or just wanted to move through quickly or what have you. And so it's constantly, it's so much better than it was. I think when I first started listening to that voice, it was about determining which voice I was listening to. 
Was it the crazy neurotic Laurel that can go a little cuckoo or was it the ego or was it that wise centered? Grounded Laurel. (laughs) Exactly. So now that I know that voice and I can determine, oh, okay, that's the one. Then the second piece is just the follow through. Yeah. You've worked in both film and television. Do you have a preference of which medium you enjoy working in more so? And if so, if which one is it and why? Yeah, they're both so exciting for me. I don't think I can say one or the other as a final answer. I think television moves so much more quickly. Film typically has a lot bigger ramp up time, especially on the producing end. We're ramping up for weeks, months, years. It's not untypical at all. And then television as an actor, especially you can audition and a week later be on set. So it just is, a, it's a whole different thing. Again, I think it, it keeps me sharp as an artist and it keeps things exciting. And it's about seeing it as when I get those nerves, it's about having those butterflies fly in formation, as my mom used to say. Ah, I love that. Not letting myself go to that place of, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. I don't think I can do this. (laughs) But to, oh wow, my brain doesn't know the difference that these emotions I'm feeling right now could just be excitement. So that's what I'll tell myself. I'm just excited. That's a hard mindset shift though. Yeah. It can be, but you know what? I tell you what, Brad, it gets easier as you practice it. It's like a muscle. So, yeah. Beautiful. I love that fly information. That's beautiful. (laughs) Now, you've mentioned and touched on the fact that you also are a voiceover actor. How did you get into that world of voiceover work? How did that happen? I started out, like I said, back in college when I was had my internship at the radio station. And we don't have enough time to go into all the mistakes <laughs> I made there. Learned a ton. And from getting the microphone to face the right way to pronouncing people's names correctly before you talk about them on live air. <laughs> but again, from the first day, I'll never forget the first day that I was live on the air. And I walked out of there going, I get paid for this? <laughs> like people are going to listen to me and I get paid for this? You know? This is, I'm playing for hours at a time. You can't tell me this is work. (laughs) So I still see it that way for the most part. Of course, (laughs) the industry's changed dramatically. Now we have to do a lot more editing on our own as voiceover artists and a lot Mm -hmm. more things that we didn't used to have to do. But still, when I get to take on a character or take on a piece and bring it to life, it's so thrilling. exciting. As mentioned, you are also an international bestselling author. I would love for you to speak a little bit about the story that you wrote for the multi-author book. Can you tell us the title, the subject matter, what the experience was like for you sharing your story and putting it out into the world? Sure. Yeah. The book is called Break Free to Peace, Love and Unity. And it's a collaboration, as you mentioned, you can find it on Amazon right now, a little plug. Um, (laughs) this friend came to me and said, I want to do this book. It was during COVID. And she said, I think you'd be a fantastic addition to the book. And I was so honored. And then once I kind of came off that cloud, I went, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I've got to write something that people want to (laughs) hear. Wait, what? (laughs) I can write. I'm I'm not a bad writer, but it's not my forte. I have such huge respect for writers because it is truly a different discipline. So for me to go back in and pretend to be a writer, I thought, who am I kidding? But I will tell you again, I sound like a broken record, but it comes back to, I sat down, I kid you not, I sat down on my couch, won't ever forget this moment. And I was just feeling completely at a loss as to what to say. And I thought, wait a minute, this is not about me. It's about what message needs to come through me right now for the highest and greatest good, right? So I'm sitting on my couch and I'm just going into this meditative state and thinking, all right, what do you want me to talk about? Mm -hmm. And this 
message came through and it was about listening to your inner voice and listening to your inner spirit, your inner, whatever you want to call it. I happen to call it the voice and that's what my piece is about. And how many times in life I can count back and look over and say, yeah, I didn't listen to it there. And look how much harder things became. Or yeah, I listened and I couldn't figure out what the heck I was doing for a minute. But looking back, it was genius. It, meant, it led me to this person who led me to that person who opened up this door and that door. And when it flows, it's just glorious. So that's what I ended up writing about. So I sat there and in about 45 minutes, I penned the entire piece. It just was flowing. I mean, it was just like that's amazing. And maybe it was even less than that. I could not stop writing. I just kept going. It was download. And by the time I got done with it, I did what I usually do, which is walk away and come back and take a breath. And I looked at it and I went, wow, this is pretty good. (laughs) I like this. Okay, cool. And so I thought, I don't even know what to, to change. So I sent it off to my friend and she said, this is amazing. How long have you been working on this? <laughs> 45 minutes. Right. Oh, you know. <laughs> oh, this took me about three weeks. <laughs> right. Well, technically lifetimes, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or years to be yeah. able to see that voice. So there you go. Yeah. It takes so, a lot of work and practice to to be able to trust and allow and listen to that right. voice when it comes through. Because we're automatically, I think the knee-jerk reaction is to think, no, really? You're, yeah. did, that, did that really just come through? Or is that my ego speaking? Or yeah, it, yeah. it's a very exactly. tough thing to get into and to step into and embrace. Right. And it's really tricky because I think as a society, well, around the world, we're kind of cultured to believe that we're less than, right? And then I think the flip side of that where people can go to is bravado, which is this self-aggrandizement, which means, oh, I can do anything. And it's kind of machismo, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in just a stereotypical male way, because it can be either, but or across the board. I think it's so much more. It's about coming to a place of groundedness and centeredness. Mm -hmm. And again, I swear, I learned this from watching the Dalai Lama and and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. It's about coming to that heart space, that place of listening from your heart instead of what's between your ears or the two things on the side of our heads. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. For sure. Obviously in our conversation through the conference, storytelling is the common thread all the way through in all aspects of your life and everything you do, the filmmaking, acting, writing, it's all tied together through story. It's just, I guess, inherently in who, in you as an actor and producer. And so in your opinion, I would love to hear just how important it is for all of us to embrace and share our stories with the world. And why do you believe it's so important? And what are the benefits to us sharing our stories? I think we all have that innate storyteller within us to start. And I think, again, going back to how we started this, it's about cultivating those listening skills to be able to help others really be able to tell their stories. And I I do think we live in a time where this is more allowed and more accepted than ever before. And it's so exciting. It's so exciting to be able to hear and see these other voices that were marginalized before or hidden or not given the platform that they've been given before. We've still got a ways to go. I mean, I'm not kidding myself, but we've come a long ways in terms of, and again, with social media and the access that we have to places we couldn't go before, there's more ability to hear people's stories. So that's exciting. So therefore it has to be monumentally important right? Because if we're not listening to each other, then we're going to naturally create more barriers, more distance, more separation. And so to be able to move into a place of really creating more forgiveness and compassion, we have to be able to listen. And that begins with storytelling, allowing people to tell their stories. Now, 
I will also say that we can get into a place of feeling like the story is us. Mm-hmm. We are the story. I'm not so sure. In some cases, yeah, but I don't want to be so attached to my story per se that I forget the bigger picture. Because then Which I may. Which is what it's be, about. Yeah, I may not be malleable. I may not be flexible. If I'm so attached to my own story and I'm not flexible enough to listen to some other opinions or some other thoughts on that, then yeah. we're not going to grow as much yeah. as we'd like. Laurel, what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? And what was your life like after learning it? Okay, drop the mic. (laughs) Make a question. (laughs) Okay, my friend, I will do my best. (laughs) I know you can. I got faith in you. Oh, man, what's the most important thing I've learned? I'm going to go with self-love. I'm just going to stay on this woo-woo train for a little while. Yeah. There was a time in my life where... I found out that I had skin cancer on my face, on my nose specifically. And I went through several reconstructive surgeries to remove it. It was more extensive than we thought. And as an actor, that was devastating to find out that I had this on my face. This is supposed to be my working material, my face. And I remember laying in bed at this really low moment and thinking, what is this all about? what's the lesson here? Because obviously this is bigger than I am and I could go down a really dark hole or I could step back and ask, what is it I'm supposed to learn from this? And what I got again, because getting used to that inner voice, what I kept hearing was self-love. And I was pissed. I'm not going to lie for that. (laughs) I was like, seriously, you want me to love myself more right now? What is that all about? But okay, I know that's what you want me to know. So let me see if I can cool my jets and and listen to it. And it became the moment, a pivotal moment for me where things really shifted. And I started to do some of these exercises, stand in front of the mirror every day and find something about myself that I really appreciated and all those, those sort of things. And I remember someone years ago had told me, if you can find something about your body that you really love, what would it be? And at that time I was in such a dark space. I looked out at my hand and I thought, I really dig my pinky finger. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can come up with. This is many years ago. And so (laughs) I look back now to where I started with just loving the tip of my pinky finger all the way up to now. It's get out of my way. I'm loving this whole thing and loving the journey I'm on for all that it's worth. And I've still got a ways to go. It's a work in progress. And wow, we are works in progress. How much, yeah, how much it affords us is we recognize that other people are too. We're all just I works in that. progress. We never get to the end. It's a constant journey. We're right? constantly working on ourselves and we have to do the yeah. work. Yeah. If I'm done, I'm dead. So yeah, well, here exactly. I got some work to do. That's right. I love it. Thank you for sharing that, Laurel. Yeah. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I would say definitely networking. I think it's something I enjoy is seeing where people's strengths are and plugging them into those places where they can shine yeah. and also connecting other people together. Oh, well, you have being a, a producer. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You have a need for this. Let me find a way to fill yeah, that. You know? That's right. That's I love right. it. It's kind of a big, <laughs> this life spider web, if you will. Yeah. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Ooh, that's such a great question. Where I am right now in my life, I feel like success is defined as joy in the moment. I think it's about really being okay in the moment and not just okay, really. Some days I'm okay. Other days I think, wait a minute, let me step back and realize how flippin' incredible this is. How fucking incredible I am. (laughs) 
right? You are, and we are. No, yeah. you, I'm talking about you saying yeah. that to yourself, like just having yeah. that moment to say, wait a minute, I'm pretty fucking awesome. Right. And life is pretty freaking incredible. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So thank you. Getting back to that place of thank you. This yeah. is, let me look at the clouds and go, oh yeah, this is a good day. The clouds are moving in the sky. The sun is shining or it's not. And it's all good. Yeah. Being grateful. And who am I going to meet next? Oh, wow. <laughs> this guy, Brad. Awesome. <laughs> let's, let's go have some fun. <laughs> yes, absolutely. What does the word empowerment mean to you? I'd like to say it move, It means moving from a place of grounded centeredness. Grounded centeredness. Yeah. Right. And when I think of that, I want to come from a space of not bravado. Yeah. But something genuine and something caring and compassionate. Love it. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing, okay? Hey, I'll do my best. You got this. I believe in you, Laurel. (laughs) (laughs) How would you describe yourself in one word? Bold. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Kindness. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Mm, Courage. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? My heart. What is your favorite self-care practice? Sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. But it's also meditation, yeah. (laughs) And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What aspect of your personality do you think has been the most helpful in your career? I think never giving up, consistently moving forward despite the challenges. I've learned that from watching others in this business. I go back and for a long time, I was really studying the classics people too. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading about Fred Astaire when he was trying out for some major movies at the time and nobody knew who he was. One of the first reviews he got was can't act, can't sing, can dance a little. Wow. (laughs) This was Fred Astaire. I was just going to say Fred Astaire. Really? Can't act, can't sing, can dance a little. Yeah. (laughs) And so you know what? He took that. He somehow got his hands on that piece of paper and framed it and put it on his pencil and said, oh yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you. (laughs) So there you go. I love that. Resilience. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah. Fall down seven times, get up eight. That's That's just it. it. That is exactly it. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? Well, resilience for sure, like I said, but aside from that, I think allow it to shift, allow it to continue to pivot and evolve because not only have we seen massive changes in the industry from a technical standpoint, starting out, I could go on and on about the changes in the voiceover industry or as actors, what we're needing to do now to create our own work and that sort of thing. But, and as producers, of course, too. So there's that technical aspect. You've got to stay flexible. You've got to stay malleable. And yet there's also that applies on all fronts because from an individual perspective, we've seen massive shifts in who's accepted in this industry. Great. Let's open that up. But it used to be only white men that were running this. And now there's so much more diversity and we're, we still have a long ways to go, like I've said. So I think that's the key is really. What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? I am so much stronger than I thought I was. I thought I was pretty flipping strong. And then, yeah, these last few years have tested me to points where I never thought I would go and beyond. So with COVID, you know, the entire industry shutting down 
Yeah. And then following that, as we do this now, we're in the middle of the writer's strike and the actors have gone on strike. And so there's a lot of people that there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of concern. And we've seen that people are saying in our industry, we just literally got out of COVID because it took us so long to recover and go back to yeah. work. And now here we are again. So I think there's opportunity here to say, okay, I've had to step back. I can't even tell you how many times I've stepped back and said, do I still want to do this? And the answer is yes, because I can't think of anything else I'd rather do. (laughs) There's a small answer. But how can I do it differently then? How can I pivot a little to the right or left and do something else that's in the same field, but allows me to create and allows my energy to flow through and do something good, feel fired up. Love it. We have to be adaptable. We have to change is constant. That's the one constant in life is change. It's going to continually happen. So you have to learn to adapt and accept it. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know what? It might go back to the way it was before, but it'll be different. It'll be a different shape. And so I'll come back in. We'll all come back in with more experience, more wisdom. And I'd rather come back in with some positivity because I rocked out what I was doing in the meantime, than come back in with more fairness. Yeah, absolutely. Laura, what is your why? My personal why is because I feel driven. I feel like sometimes I don't even know what's driving me. I just feel a pull. I feel that compelled motion forward. So sometimes I just have to keep moving because it just feels right. I think the bigger why when I look out is because I want others to be heard as well. I want their stories to be told. As I've started to really hone some of the focus of the production company that I'm building. And as we really move forward in a big way, I'm very keenly aware that it's a cooperative. It's people coming together and I want to give rise to those voices that haven't had that opportunity yet. A lot of people I know have been in this business for a very long time and have not had their moment. And it's about how can we all rise together? How can we lift this up? How can we all win? Yeah. How can we all win? Yeah. Because I think there's an appetite for it out there. I think people are ready to find more uplifting, inspired, conscious work. Absolutely. Laurel, what is an unexpected blessing in your life that you're grateful for? I don't know if most people are going to appreciate this, but I'm going to say the Corona bonus. (laughs) (laughs) The bonuses that came out of that really hard time. And I'm not diminishing what people were going through or Uh the experiences that a lot of people had that were really devastating. I will say though, I've noticed that out of some of the darkest moments come some of the best. And for me personally, I've been heavily involved with my dad's healthcare over the last year. And it, again, akin to COVID, some of those really dark moments when we find out who we really are and what we're made of. Yeah. I'll tell you this, Brad, it's so trite, but it's true. It makes all the things in life seem so much sillier. It's like, it's all a bunch of small stuff at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah. So I I think it was a gift. I really do. Again, as you said, there was a lot of loss, financial, personal life, all of it. But I think that as you mentioned earlier, I think we have to look at situations and find the silver lining there, find the good in it. There's always a lesson, but I I really believe with all of my heart that the good far outweighs the bad of what we went through, through that two and a half, three years, whatever, depending on where you were in the world. And I think there was a lot more good than bad that came out of that whole situation. Absolutely. I had someone years ago recommend keeping a, a miracle journal. And I thought at the time it was a little crazy, but I thought, okay, I'll try it. So every night I write down what miracle occurred for me that day. And at first I thought, I don't have any miracles to talk Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. But as I've started really doing the work, it's, oh, wow, every little thing is a miracle. 
when you look mm-hmm. at it that way. And so it's been so much easier and it's really opened me up to seeing life in a different perspective and realizing that there's bonuses everywhere. And so have you kept up with the practice? Yeah, I do. Awesome. Yeah. Every night I journal five, you. Things, five things I'm grateful for from the day and a miracle that happened that day. Love it. That's yeah. beautiful. That's Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Only one? <laughs> you got to pick one. Man, that's master. <laughs> Can I have a tie for first place? Because I want to... <laughs> I've always wanted to sit down with Oprah, but I also really want to sit down with Meryl Streep. And yeah. just, I know she hears this all the time. What's her secret? If I could go back in time, it would be someone like Eleanor Roosevelt and just be able, I'd love to just be a fly on the wall and see what chutzpah, what courage it took for her to do what she did in that time period. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So there's so many powerful women like that. There yeah. is. Absolutely. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? I think it would be... I was going to say the first thing that came to mind was keep going. And I think it would be coupled with be kind to yourself, be kind to yourself. Yeah. There was a long time where I was not and it served me. It got me to where I am now. And yet I see the power. I didn't recognize that. I didn't recognize the power in kindness. I didn't recognize the power in being kind to ourselves. I saw it as a weakness. I thought I had to be strong and tough. And that meant having this exterior that was hard and that would be power. That would equate yeah. movement and, and success. And now I see it as, no, in my business, especially as an actor, I recognize the power of emotions. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not saying that we need to go out with our heart on our sleeve all the time and, and wail to the world, but I think there's so much power in finding our inner voice. And that includes letting ourselves go to those emotional places and being kind with ourselves, allowing it because we know that it's going to serve in the long run. And then when we're more kind to ourselves, we're more kind to others. Right. There you go. That ripple effect. And yeah. that's it. It doesn't cost you anything to be kind. I, so I, I can't understand or wrap my head around why so many people have a problem being kind. It's such an easy thing to do. And I understand it comes from bitterness and past traumas and all of these yeah. other things, but it would make the world so much more of a beautiful, loving, better place if we could just be kind to one another and love each yeah. other. And it takes a smile can change the trajectory of someone's day completely. Absolutely. It, it doesn't take you two seconds to smile yeah. at someone. I love to open up doors for people. Yeah. And I'm them to turn around and just keep the door open. And yep. people are so genuinely appreciative. Yeah. It's really great. And yeah. yeah, I think it comes from, and I'm guilty of this myself, of course, it comes from anytime I'm not feeling it, I'm in a sense of separation, in a sense of feeling like, oh, I'm separated from you all. And therefore you're out to get me in some way, or this is out to get me. <laughs> it's such caveman mentality, right? It is. <laughs> to come back to, oh yeah, we're not. Nope. We're all in this together. That's there's it. no them, there's us. Yeah, so let me see how I can take a deep breath in this moment <laughs> and reframe this. Yeah. And come back to the heart center. Yeah. Lastly, Laurel, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, your tribe, your people, your corner of the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Say thank you. Look within. I know I've said it a million times. Be kind and take a deep breath. Yeah. The breath is so key. And it's a great way to bring us back to that groundedness. That center. Yeah. That center. Yeah. Deep breaths are magic. <laughs> <laughs> They're like unicorn food. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
Beautiful. Laurel, thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today and sharing all about your story, your journey, and the beautiful light you put out into the world through storytelling in your acting, your producing, your writing. It's absolutely magical. And I appreciate you being here with me. And I'm so grateful to be connected to you and to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you for your time. It's truly an honor, Brad. I have had such a great time. And thank you for including me in this. I just love (laughs) what you're doing in the world. And I feel really honored. So thank you. Thank you very much. The honor and the pleasure is truly all mine. So thank you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Laurel Harris. She is an award-winning producer, actress, voiceover artist, writer, and international bestselling author. Thank you so much, Laurel. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. You too. Thank you, Brad. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.